this is uh, from the student of uh, Mingo Rinpoche and she is uh, following his instructions on how to relate uh, to pain, to how to relate to her pain. And she writes, Working with the pain in this way, I gradually came to experience, not just intellectually, but on an intuitive, direct way, that I was not my pain. That I was not my pain. Whoever or whatever I was, was an observer of my thoughts and feelings and the physical sensations that often accompanied them. So whoever or whatever I was, was an observer of my thoughts and feelings. An observer of my thoughts and feelings. Of course, I experienced grief or loneliness at times, felt some heaviness around my heart or in my stomach, wondered if I had made a terrible mistake and wished I could turn that time backwards. But as I looked at what was passing through my body and mind, I realized that there was someone or something bigger than this. But as I looked at what was passing through my body and mind, I realized that there was someone or something bigger than these experiences. So someone or something bigger than these experiences. That something was the Luca. So that something was the Luca. A presence of mind, a presence of mind, a presence, sometimes called stillness, a presence. A presence of mind that wasn't disturbed by my thoughts, feelings and sensations. That wasn't disturbed. Like the sky is not disturbed by clouds, by birds, by thunderstorms. So a presence of mind that wasn't disturbed by my thoughts, feelings and sensations. Can you... Can you sense that which is bigger? Your your thoughts, your thoughts cannot grasp what this is, what she is pointing to in her own words, in her very simple words, really from experience. 
So she does not use any complicated terms. She just said, is that which is bigger? presence of mind that wasn't disturbed by my thoughts, feelings and sensations, but just observed, but just observed them all without judging, just observed them all without judging. So, so you don't need to tell that which is observing, oh don't judge, accept. You don't need to tell that. It's happening. The accepting or the allowing is is happening. Is has already happened. Now our 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 practice of accepting, our practice of non-judging, it all belongs still to the conceptual level. So the radical acceptance, the radical allowing, has already happened. Like the the the. The sky does not need to say, oh, do I allow this cloud or not? The, the, the sky is not doing anything. So everything which appears in the sky is already allowed. So these practices of accepting or allowing is already too complicated. It's already one step too much. Because then you get into, oh, it's so difficult to accept this. It's, uh, I, can't, I can't allow this. It's already there. It's already allowed. It's instantaneously. So, but, so... A presence of a presence, maybe that's uh, that's a word. The field of awareness. So His Holiness in the book, which I quoted in the beginning of the retreat, calls it innermost awareness. So that's his answer of this question. You know, I asked this question in the beginning. What is it in which? What is that in which all spiritual tradition meet? The meeting point, the meeting place. And His Holiness, the Dalai Lama's answer to that question is, that's also the title of the book, it's the recognition of innermost awareness. And clearly she describes in her own world the experience of innermost awareness. So innermost awareness, Rigpa in Tibetan. So innermost awareness, His Holiness says, this is what the Tibetan tradition is about. So the recognition of innermost awareness means that you realize that you are innermost awareness. That's why you can't find it. Because you are already that. Trying to find it is, is useless because you are it. How far is it away? How, 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 how far do you need to go to be who you are? 
So when when she says uh, that which is bigger, that is being talked from the point of view of the small me. From the point of view of the small me, that which is bigger. So presence, stillness, oneness, innermost awareness, Buddha nature, emptiness, that which is bigger. So a presence of mind that wasn't disturbed by my thoughts, feelings and sensations. Do you get a sense of that which is moving, the content of your mind, Sam? And that, I, I think that's quite obvious, what, the, what that is, the Sam. Yeah. So now, do you get also a sense of that through which this movement happens, which is not moving, the non-moving mind? So that non-moving mind, that is innermost awareness. So, but just observe them. So she she is recognizing here the quality, what is in the Tibetan tradition called the cognizant aspect of that which is bigger, the cognizant aspect. So judgmental, non-judgmental, without judging whether they were good or bad. So then I started looking for the looker. So then I started looking for the looker. So she started to, okay, there is something I can feel. There is something which is bigger. There is something... There is a presence, there is a stillness. You know, something which might be more tasteable when you sit together in a group. Maybe you, you have a sense like, yeah, something. I feel the presence of the others. Well, there is something. Somehow we melting, we are melting together. So now she becomes curious. So what is that? What is the looker? Can I pay attention to that which is looking? Can I pay attention to that which is bigger? And when, so when you, when you direct your mind with the factor of attention to that, to the source, to where the light comes from, what do you see? What do you see? Nothing. You see nothing. So then I started looking for the looker. In the Tibetan tradition, this would be called to, to, to be aware of awareness. Awareness looking at awareness. Awareness recognizing itself. 
awareness recognizing itself. And I couldn't find her. So, so that's like, no, I told you the story of, um, of um, Tuku Ugin Rinpoche, or his son, when he was pointed out to this. This is what, what the masters point to. So this is like the normal mindfulness practice. So I'm mindful of this. I'm mindful of my feelings. I'm mindful of what I feel, of what I, what I touch. I'm mindfulness. I'm, I'm mindful of taste. I'm mindful of my thoughts. I'm mindful of the food. I'm mindful of what I see. So that, this is like this. And then he did like this. He turned around. Okay, turn around. And what do you see? <coughs> what do you see? Then, then I started looking for the looker and I couldn't find her. Of course, because what you're looking into is that which is looking. You can't find anything. You're looking into that which is looking. It's, it's a bit like the normal mindfulness practice is when you have a torch and you, look and, you, and you illuminate different objects in the room. So <coughs> mindfulness of breath, mindfulness of touch, mindfulness of the thought, mindfulness so you eliminate the object. So now, so I, I'm holding this torch and there's the light. So now, with your attention, you kind of, you take a part of the light and you turn it around and you kind of go like this. So what is looking? What is the light? So what do you see then? What does the light see when it looks at itself? What is it illuminating? <laughs> so, in the beginning it is like, you know, you, you start to pay attention and you ask this question, oh, what is bigger there? You know, peace, where's peace? Where's God? And so, so you look. And, and then... And then, and then you, oh, where does, where does this question come from? Where, where does this looking come from? So you turn around and you realize, I was always God. I'm already it. The peace is what is looking for peace. The light is looking for the light. And at that moment you come home. Like Tara Brach says, in that moment, the seeker vanishes. Seeking, this is the end of seeking. To, to realize that you are the light, you are home. You're looking, you're looking from home, you're sitting home, you're looking from home, searching for home. 
try to understand what I'm saying. <laughs> these are this is all this is all content. These words, these images, it's all content. So now she continues. She's very good. She puts it in, in very simple words, like understandable for everyone. It wasn't as if there was nothing there. So she turns around. So the light, like the beam of light, comes around, looks into the source. And there's this, I can't find Miles. I can't find, there's nothing there. But now she says, it, was, it wasn't as if there were nothing there. Because that's not really... That's not really the experience. It's, it's not that, oh, I don't exist. And, uh, it's not, so it's not that there's nothing there. So this is tricky now. And, and there's different approaches to that. So there's a big part in the Tibetan tradition, they, give you, they don't give you anything there. Nothing. It's just like... And then there's other traditions, the Mahmudra and Sokshan tradition. They they say, hey, wait a moment. There is, it's not nothing. There is, there is something. There, but then they take away the something because that's a bit too much. So there is neither nothing there nor is there something. There. That's the language of the Heart Sutra. There is neither a self nor is there not a self. So if you say, yeah, I don't exist, there is no self, then you are mistaken. This is not what the Buddha says. If you say, yeah, there is a self, then you are also mistaken. So what the Buddha says, and it's very precise, and very carefully chosen that language. There is neither a self, nor is there not a self. Huh? And that's it. Huh? <laughs> so, so that's the... I, I'm not joking. That's the condensation of the teachings of the Buddha. No? So if you boil them down, then you come to the Heart Sutra, and then you come to one syllable, and this syllable contains the whole teachings, and it's, huh? <laughs> no, it's, it's, ah. <laughs> but it's a bit like, huh? <laughs> so it 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 wasn't as if there was nothing there and it happens so this is you know, they say well that's also the experience on our path that we will fall into this abyss of nihilism on the one hand, on the one side yeah and the other abyss is what is called eternalism. So that is uh, the view that something there is something really solidly, really existing there. So 
what with the ah ah so ah that is wonder like childlike wonder a beginner's mind fresh awake so the wonder wow like the rainbow yeah so wow but also ah is the syllable the sanskrit syllable which negates so if you put an ah for a word it negates that which like anatman yeah so atman is the self anatman non self so the ah the the ah is this experience of childlike wonder really falling in love with uh, creation and in the same time realizing it's empty so the 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 ah is being free of these two positions nothing exists something exists the conceptual mind cannot figure this out it's a koan so it stops and the conceptual mind stops so there's a gap in that gap is not nothing so that's the gap she says it wasn't as if there was nothing there and then she describes it and this is this is what some masters refuse to do to put any words on there because as soon as we put a word into there we make it into something which is separate from us so language language always creates that that split but yeah then again and again people try to put some words into the experience because it's the most precious thing i mean how do you want you know how, if if you if you meet the precious the most precious thing the ultimate medicine then you want to share it so she says there was still this sense of awareness there was still this sense of awareness so that's so she she puts something positive into it but i couldn't put a name to it and that's how exactly how it is i couldn't put a name to it so to try to talk about it to point to it to try to understand it is really humbling because you always fall fall short no that's when the buddha discovered this initially he said there's no way i can share this how how could i do that i'm just i will just sit here on my park bench close to the bodhi tree 
graciously but I couldn't put a name to it even awareness didn't seem to fit yeah? so awareness the word awareness and you, then you can say God or Nirvana enlightenment yeah, peace didn't seem to fit of course not It seemed too small a word. It seemed too small a word. For just a couple of seconds. So, this is also a good, uh, a, a good, a, a, an important thing to to remind ourselves. We are talking here of a practice which is short moments, repeated again and again. So this is not a practice of kind of building up and then having this experience and then trying to keep that experience and stabilizing the mind and kind of cruising along the whole session. Uh, it's not like this. It's short moments, repeated again and again. Like when I say, give up thinking. And of course, then something, yeah. Why you, you you know you're sitting here and your mind becomes narrow, and then you step out. Why you kind of you have a sense of that the that the stillness is breaking in. Short moments. And then again, short moment. And then again. And there and there is nothing which works all the time. Some people say it's actually moments of grace. It's outside of our control. We can make us ready by sitting here, by praying, by taking care of ourselves, by trusting through patience, through being in an environment like this, through inspiration, through the, through the beings who have realized this, and then you can just Just open. The best way to close that door is to make effort. So that's for sure. 
So I don't know how to get there, but I know how to not get there. And I, I, don't, I don't get there through effort. That's for sure. Any idea that you need to do something, that you need to improve this moment, will keep you away from this. Any self-improvement project, any kind of idea that, or oh, there is something missing, like an idea, a book, a knowledge, uh, something, uh, keeps you away from being complete. For just a couple of seconds, maybe more, it was like the looker, the looking, and what was looking at were all the same. The looker, the looking, and what was being looked at were all the same. I hope you don't, you don't dislike the word God, because that's like, so, oneness, yeah? oneness. The looker, the looking, and what was looking, and, and what was being looked at, were all the same. That's the mystic experience. That's what all mystics report when they come back or when they try to share that experience. And then, of course, only kindness makes sense. Then only service makes sense. And it's, you don't need to become kind or you don't need to uh, you don't need to, uh, you know, cultivate good qualities or something like that. It's just uh, in the same way you take care of your hand. Yeah. The same way you take care of everyone else. Oh, I know I'm not saying this very well. But there was just a sense of bigness. It's so hard to explain. And then Amingo Rinpoche says, actually, she explained it very well. Since the experience of emptiness can't really fit neatly into words. Okay, so let's uh, just sit in the aftermath of this um, experience. And as best as you can, 
connecting with Maitri, loving kindness. And with the out breath, releasing effort. So there's a sense of grounding, sinking, like almost like growing roots. Slowing down. Possible to call upon the inspiration of the Buddha, Dalai Lama, their mighty presence, their mighty stillness, their mighty peace. that you try to manipulate your experience experience, every sensation, every sound, every thought, every feeling is a wave coming from the ocean of calmness, the ocean of oneness, the ocean of love, is in the nature of oneness, is in the nature of love, and dissolves back into peace, into love.
into consciousness. Every experience is like a wave in the nature of consciousness, empty, insubstantial. Just back into 